the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516-1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, Real estate insurance, retirement, wealth, and much, much more. Thanks for listening to the show. I do seminars around the Bay Area. I do meet and greets around the Bay Area. Meet and greets are kind of like, let's meet at a brewery, talk investing, have a couple beers. Not sanctioned by the radio station. It's my way of staying connected with people. Listen to this. I see two headlines this morning. Six cents. The kid was a ghost the whole time. He saw dead people. But Bruce Willis was one of the people he could see. Uh-huh. 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 So. Um, number one sign you can afford to buy a home. That's one headline. Other headline... Owning a home is financial suicide. One headline, number one sign you can afford to buy a home. Other headline, owning a home is financial suicide. People have opinions. The one that draws me in, obviously, is the suicide one. It's financial suicide to own a house. It's written by a guy named James Altucker. He is a day trader. He is in venture capital. He is a market investor. He says, I'm sick about writing this, but every day I see propaganda about the American dream of owning a home. And I will say this, it is propaganda. I once had a friend named Roger Roger Arnold, who was an economist, but he wasn't really an economist. He was a home lender, but he acted like an economist. But one of the things he would do is he'd play like, while he was talking about buying a home. Propaganda. Um... So back to the article. I see code words a $15 trillion industry uses to hypnotize its religious adherents to believe. Lay down your money, your hard work, your lives and loves and debt, and believe. But I will qualify. If someone wants to own a home, own one. 
There should never be a judgment. I'm the last to judge. I've owned two homes and lost two homes. If I were here to write an autobiography, he said it would be called My Life, Ten Miserable Moments. Owning a home would be two of them. I will never write that book. But I'll tell you the reasons why I'll never own a home again. It's not an investment. Everyone has a story. We all love stories. Here's a story. Mom and Dad bought a house, say, in 1965 for $30,000. They sold it in 2005 for $1.5 million and retired. It's a nice story. It didn't happen to my mom and dad. The exact opposite happened. But for some moms, I hope it went like that. Maybe mom and dad had their troubles, their health issues, their marriage issues. Maybe they both loved someone else, but they loved their home. Here's a fact. The average home has gone up two-tenths of one percent per year for the past century. Only in small periods of housing, prices really jumped, and usually right after, they fall again. The best investor in the world, Warren Buffett, is not good enough to invest in real estate. He even laughs and says he's lost money on every real estate decision he's made. There's about 15 trillion mortgage debt in the United States. This is the entire way the banks make money. They want you to take on debt, else they go out of business. Housing's not an investment. Let me tell you the qualities of a good investment. And he goes on to talk about companies that have, you know, companies to look for. He talks about having a 6% mortgage, which is a little bit aggressive in this market environment. Says you put down $200,000, the entire house would rent for about $2,500, give or take. So that's 80 months or almost eight years worth of rent you just gave the bank in one single check. Do you ever get that money back? No. Because after mortgage debt, property maintenance and taxes, which go up, closing costs, buying costs, title insurance, property upgrades, the homeowner might spend close to $1 million in the lifespan of that house or twice that. So he says writing a $200,000 check for a down payment is like giving your landlord rent for eight years up front. He talks about opportunity costs. He talks about you know the crap that we're told about having roots. He talks about flexibility of being able to move. And how that's a good thing, not a bad thing. He talks about how we're sold this property rights are the basis of America. If you want a copy of the essay, send me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. And I, I think it's a good it's a good thing to argue. I own a home, but he's right. I had to put it down a lot of money. And I, had I had that money free in the last seven years, the $400,000 I put down would be $800,000. I could almost buy that house in cash now. But nope, I put it down. So I'm doing nothing with it. It's sitting there static. It's losing to inflation. The opportunity cost is gone. Let's bring in mortgage expert Tony Mendez from BayAreaLoanSource.com. Good morning. Good morning. I'm going to count to 10 to see if you adjust your mic and bonk it against yourself like you do every... There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Just happens. Um, with that being said... I think the guy has a point, financially speaking, that it's a lot more of a liability than people are willing to admit, and that we are sold propaganda about how great it is. Yeah, it, it, there is definitely some propaganda there. Um, and, you know, I, and it's from everybody, from your parents, from your friends. There's the, the envy level, um, uh, realtors, uh, other professionals, the, the government with their tax incentives to get you into a house. It's everywhere. Um but I think a lot of people nowadays, and, and you, you go back and reference the other article where, you know, how do you know when you can afford a home? A lot of people are looking at very high rents, and uh, you, they take a calculation and simply say the math works. 
if I can get rid of that flex, the flexibility part, meaning if I have to change jobs and it's farther away, I can't move, I can't sell and buy somewhere else, um, and a couple of the other things, it, a lot of people are saying it makes sense where buying a home is actually mathematically going to work out better than paying this high rent without getting my tax deductions, without putting a principal payment into my balance every month, um, getting a little bit of that, you know, two tenths of a percent appreciation. Of course, you know, timing is a lot of, has a lot to do with it, you know, especially when you're looking at housing in the top of the market like we are right now, um, you're going to look at a lot less appreciation. But when you really put those numbers together, there is an argument against that. But I think his one of his biggest points is that lost opportunity. Uh, there are a lot of people put money down into these properties and they, they never let it, they never see the appreciation and growth in that. Uh, that's why there's so so many more people are going to low down payment products as the market increases. They're afraid that they're going to lose that that down payment. That's why a lot of people, <clears throat> like financial planners, take money out of their homes. So on one level, I think James Altucker is correct, but on another, he's being very static about it. Um, he's also a day trader, and he may have... You know, he's taken that philosophy towards his housing and tried to day trade housing. Um, he's lost two houses. Yeah, I'd kind of like to know a little bit more about his yeah. l- losing two houses, what went on there. Um, he, he talks a little bit about how average income for people ages 18 to 35 has gone down in the past 20 years, while debts increased 100-fold. Um, so he is basically saying that, you know, I'm not saying it's a house of cards, but you hear me oftentimes say, my house is only worth what it's worth if I'm able to sell it to someone who's willing to buy it. And it's actually, only worth what somebody will pay for it. Until, and until yeah. the check clears, it ain't worth nothing to me. It's just paper money. Anyhow, you can find me online at Rob Black Show. You can find Tony at Bay Area Loan Source. If you need a loan, he's the guy to get it done. It is loan season right now. As people are prepping up to buy homes, you need to pre-qualify and get ready for that. Check out Tony at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Gordon Matthew Thomas Sumner is who you're listening to. Change his name to Sting. Or that's his professional name, rather. He's got elements of rock, jazz, reggae, world beat. He's a solo musician as well as a member of the police. 16 Grammy Awards. Some fantastic albums. 
uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Great long career. 65 years old, so he's been rocking it for, good golly, I don't know, 35 years? 1980, roughly, is when I kind of started noticing. And that shows you I'm not a true fan, because someone will say, no, actually the early work was 1977. Okay, fair enough. And it was actually Stuart Copeland. And my belief that Andy Summers was a replacement for Henry Pandavani, who really was the hiding soul. Like, I'm not that much. I geek out over having a wide-based investment knowledge that I get into some really hardcore specifics. Um, I try to cover everything, so that makes me an inch deep. But I try to get a mile deep in some areas. Um, one of them is getting into retirement. Don't always succeed at that, but darn it if I don't try. Um, so I go back to Sting real quick. 35-year-plus music career, right? Um, that's amazing. And most musicians don't get that. So I really want you to look at your career as age 20 to 60. Now, he's over 60, 65, right? And now we can start talking about some, you know, minutia. And he could probably play till he's 70, 75. He may have to change things up pretty aggressively because he can't rock like he used to. Although I saw him this summer, and I am embarrassed to say I went to see the Peter Gabriel Sting concert. Paid way too much for tickets. Um, but that's okay. It's one area that I splurge on. Talked about a little bit earlier that there's a lot of things that I don't splurge on, like um, fashion. So, um, one of the reasons I bring this up is that, like, if I worked from 20 to 60 and I, I, I hit retirement, and like I'll, I'll be on a radio and television at some point in time. There'll be a faster, funnier Rob 2.0. There's no doubt about it. He's a common. I would try to have a career that I can do until I'm 70. You know, a second career. Um, and it could be anything. It could be working at a Home Depot, although Home Depot is introducing robots, so good luck with that. Um, you know, I'm always amazed when I'm like here at Home Depot and you're like, hey, where's the... Uh, Miracle glue. <laughs> They're like, we don't have miracle glue. But if you're looking for gorilla glue, it's on aisle four. You're like, whoa. I don't know if they do tests or what do they do to get people up to those levels. Um, I find that impressive. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. So try to have a career that can last from 60 to 70. A, it'll stop your money from winding down. And B, it'll keep money coming in and supporting you so you don't... You know, you can continue to save instead of draw. Draw. Draw, cowboy. I'm not a cowboy. So some other stories out there of note today, and there's plenty. Um, you know, some of the financial stories out there. Job hopping. I know a lot of millennials, and they start at a job. And it's a small company, and they really like the company. But they don't make enough money to move out of their home with their parents, so they try to figure, you know, well, let's take a look at all the cities around the country. What's the best one to go get another job? And for an entry-level position, Washington, D.C. is fantastic. It leads to a lot of experience, but it's also very expensive. 
So a lot of people are living with two, three, four roommates. Uh, being a millennial job hopper can be a good thing, though, if you're jumping from job to job. Uh, people who switch jobs, and uh, a big National Bureau of Economic Research found, more often earlier in their careers have higher incomes later in life as they kind of figure out what they're good at, and they're also networking, and later in life people can say, hey, I used to work with. But it also leads you to your quote-unquote true calling, which leads to greater productivity and higher income. Sticking with one job can mean settling for paltry raises, while changing jobs can mean big jumps in pay. So I don't think it's bad. And in your 20s, I think you can change locations. That's why I don't want you to buy a house. I want you to have some flexibility to move. Um, It's a powerful way to boost your standard of living. Living on a below-average income in a city with above-average costs can be a recipe for misery. Uh, I did it, and I remember living in an apartment so darn small in my 20s that you'd have a date and you'd try to bring her home and impress her. (laughs) And it's tough to impress someone in a room where you can almost stretch your arms. Um, You can touch one side of the wall with one arm and the other side of the wall with the other. Pretty darn close in some of the places that you have to work at in your 20s. Um, and you have to live in, you know, small small homes, or you have to have roommates, one or the other. So, so having a job in your 20s, job hopping is not the worst thing in the world, and I actually kind of recommend it um, to kind of find yourself. So very few of us get the dream job out of college. Um, I have an elderly friend, changing topics, who was recently erroneously declared deceased by the Social Security Administration, which I think is funny. So she didn't get any notice of the declaration, and her first awareness of that something might be wrong was when her personal checks and automatic payments to utilities and others began to balance. She called her bank and was informed that all her accounts had been frozen by the Social Security Administration. (laughs) You're dead. No, I'm not. Ooh, (laughs) what do I do about that? So there's a lot of return check charges. There's threatening phone calls. There's cut off of services that go on. So how does the Social Security Administration freeze someone's assets? And is it common? Is, you know, a big question that I had to figure out. So Social Security Administration doesn't freeze bank accounts. Um, But it did erroneously declare that person dead. And it happens about a thousand times per year. A lot of financial institutions do the checking with Social Security's death notices, and they freeze your accounts, and it can take weeks to months to clear up the confusion. If this is you, you should go to the SSA and bring some identification, such as a driver's license or passport, to establish that you are truly, in fact, alive. Maybe a stethoscope. Um, Maybe a mirror that you could breathe on. Um, Not only should all the services be restored, but balance check fees and other costs should be waived because it was the institution that made the mistake, ultimately, and you didn't do anything wrong. So, um, but also, like, utilities don't typically shut off service at the first missed payment. Um, It's interesting that the position that she got herself into, but put on by the SSA. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more. Find me at robblackshow.com.
Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. The middle of the killer is bringing us back. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I went to the Killers concert in Vegas on New Year's Eve one year. And I probably had a little bit too much to drink. You know why? Because I'm really good at blackjack. And when you sit there and play blackjack, I could sit there for 12 hours. And I know. It's weird. Like, there's some things that... Some people just have crazy lucky streaks. Like, they can go and, you know, do scratchers and, like, throw down 50 bucks and suddenly they have 100 in scratchers. You're like, what? So, I see the killers after sitting there for, I've made $4,000. But when you're sitting there, they bring you a drink because they know eventually you, you, drinks lead to bad judgment, right? Oh, that's why I don't go out after 10 p.m. anymore, ever. Uh, in your 20s, you could do it, and like, yeah, I almost got into a fight, or oh yeah, did you see that car crash, and people were dead on the side of the road, and uh, you know, no thank you. I have no interest in going out after 10 o'clock. I'll leave that to you. But the last time I did it, I was in Vegas, which I guess was a controlled environment, because I was in some hotel and everything, but I saw the killers, and probably had a little bit too much drink. I woke up the next morning, and I honestly thought my legs were going to fall off. Like, was I dancing? Like, Rob Black doesn't dance. Was I dancing? Or what happened to my legs? And that's not a good idea. And I think you should do that every five years. It's okay to to have fun. And I think the same idea hits when it comes to investing as well. I don't want you to go out and buy a sexy stock that's going to make you a million dollars. Because very that happens very, very rarely. Wow. That's kind of shocking. Um... Absolute poverty is a terrible thing, and I can't even imagine it. And when I see it, I, I pretend I don't see it, or I try to like go, okay, life's been good to me. And um, I raise a lot of money for charitable works. I see I'm justified right now, but when I see absolute poverty, I just I I I, I can't process it. I see absolute poverty as a negation of the right for a human being to live a valued and valuable life. And when you see people who are like sleeping in streets and you see that process you're just like whoa when you see the tent cities that come popping up and getting shut down sometimes as fast as they get popped up in san jose when when there's a tent city of homeless people big enough that it can be seen on satellite imagery that's crazy for me now every now and then you'll hear people make these concepts and try to humanize them. There was this uh, startup guy from San Francisco who was like, I wish, really wish these homeless people would stop peeing on the street. They're ruining my life. And he doesn't get the inequality of what he just said, right? And there's a lot of mental health problems, a lot of addiction problems. We're a very rich nation, and you, you would go wonder, like, how can people be in such a dire strait of absolute poverty? Now, there was an article that was published not too long ago about canners. Now, what do you think a canner is? 
Canner's a pretty common sight. It's one of the craziest things that you'll see. And my cliche is it's typically an elderly Chinese man or woman who's going through the trash in downtown. For some reason, they have on an apron, gloves, protective sleeves. They pull a cart, you know, with cans behind them. Now, I live on a street that every house is worth a million dollars, and that makes me sick. Because it's not the houses from when I was 10 that a million-dollar house. Like, when I was 10, a million-dollar house would come on TV, and it would be like, Dallas. And you'd be like, yeah, Ewing lives on a ranch, a million-dollar ranch. I'm not living on a million-dollar ranch. But every now and then I'll talk to the neighbors, and they're like, oh, yeah, there, there used to be this Chinese person who would come down the street and go through the trash and pe- get people's cans. And I'm like, I have no problem with that. But people do. So a homeless person was interviewed, and he goes, this is my job. I never go to shelters. I never go to the hospital. I survive by myself. Um, it's sufficient. He can live on 40 to $50 a day from what he collects from canning. Now, 40 to $50 a day is not poverty. Um, about the same as the average wage. If you look at some different, you know, adjustments, uh, the average wage in, like, you know, another country, maybe not in the United States, but if you're not paying taxes on it, too, you're like, you can make 30 to $50 a day going through trash, and that equates to about three to five trash bags filled with about 700 bottles and cans. We live in a nation where we throw away that much recyclables. So there's clearly problems with all economies. Incredible cost of renting somewhere to live uh, in the Bay Area is it's ridiculous. And it, it frustrates people because they're not paying themselves, they're paying someone else. Um, so there's inequality in the rental market, right? There's inequality in a lot of areas. Poverty, absolute poverty, as defined by the World Bank. I remember this person pulled cans out of the trash in the Bay Area said he could pull 40 to $50 a day. The World Bank's definition of poverty is buck ninety a day. And you think about that, and you go, holy mackerel. Not only is it, it, are we in an, a nation of embarrassing riches, but a buck ninety a day is poverty around the world. Uh, how many people are out there right now uh, struggling with housing, clothing, Eating, cooking food, washing, healthcare. Um, how many people will never get to retirement? How many people will die young? Right now, there's some 850 million people who are living on a buck ninety or less a day. Now that makes me feel like I'm so uncomfortable that I want to make a joke. I want to say we should have Sally Struthers on TV and raise money for these people. These people. I even have that concept in my head, and I'm so uncomfortable with it. I'd rather crack a joke than to talk about absolute poverty. So a lot of times I'm talking about, let's get you to retirement. I admire the guy who can take a trash can apart and pull out 50 bucks from it. Um, at the same time, I'm like, what happened? When I was 10 and I had dreams of living in J.R. Ewing's mansion, ranch, or going on the love boat cruises, or actually going to Fantasy Island, how great would Fantasy Island be? Like if it was a really something with Ricardo Montalban and Hervé Villachay and, you know, you land on the island and he's like, just go to your bungalow. 
And then he comes to you a little later, and he's like, what do you dream? And, you know, Tony Danza would say, well, I always wanted to go back and be a cowboy. Is that Little Fantasy Island? This used to come on, I think, Friday nights, maybe 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock. And as a kid, it was magical. Now there's so many TV shows on all the time. But then, it was appointment TV to find something fantastic. <clears throat> you remember the first time you saw Hervé Villachez? And you're like, he's small. <laughs> like, you didn't see a lot of that in the world I lived in. And we could kill the plane, the plane, we can kill it. Um, so, when you're looking at 850 million people living on a buck ninety a day or less, and you see the standard of humanity through all of history, and you just go, poverty, what does it mean to me? Uh, $40 a day collecting cans, it's about 20 times different from absolute poverty. And yet, when you look at it in the Bay Area, you're like, that's absolute poverty. And when that guy was a kid, do you think his idea was pulling $40, $50 of glass out of trash? So, I don't know if this is even going anywhere. I think, ultimately, I, as I've gotten older, I've got better eyes for this kind of stuff. Um, and I've got a bigger heart. I, I can't tell you that I tackle it any better. But it's one of the things I like about the Bay Area is there's so many ways that we can give back, and we do give back. So I've got a friend who his cause is animals, and he's always raised money for uh, no-kill pet shelters. He's always raised money and given his time and uh, going out. When I first moved to the Bay Area, he was like, on Fridays, Rob, you can take off a little early, I'm going to pay you. He was my boss. So for the first couple of years, on Fridays, I'd go to a pet shelter and pet cats. And the whole concept is if you pet a cat, when a kid comes in there and puts his hand inside the cage or inside the shelter, and pets it. If the cat bites him or swipes at him, the cat has to be locked up for two weeks or some ridiculous thing like that. So there's a lot of ways you can give back. There's a lot of ways you can see the world differently. There's a lot of ways that the economic system can work for you. And there's a lot of ways that it could fail for you. Um, the oddity of free market capitalism is that it works. It's the only economic system that has ever managed to work for as long as it has. And it has given a substantial rise in standard of living to the average person. But there's certainly people who fall through the cracks. And trimming around the edges is what I would refer to it as we need to look at it. So we don't need to look at the roots of our economic system. That could put a homeless can collector out there. We need to look at the fringes, the people who don't make it. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. It's easy to get complacent about retirement planning when the stock market is soaring to record highs. But it's a marathon, not a sprint. To win the race, you need to take the right steps along the way. Learn winning strategies from me, Rob Black, and certified financial planner Chad Burton at an educational lunch event in Berkeley on February 9th. We'll cover the building blocks of a successful portfolio and break down the 2017 market outlook. You'll also learn how to transition your portfolio from the accumulation phase to the income phase, which accounts to draw from first, how to minimize tax and retirement, social security strategies, and more. 
and get estate planning tips for 2017 from attorney Michelle Lerman. That's Thursday, February 9th, 11 a.m. lunch at the Berkeley Marina Doubletree. Sign up at newfocusfinancial.com for just $25 or free for KDOW listeners using the promo code RETIRE123. Hope to see you Thursday, February 9th. Once again, sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. Free for KDOW listeners using promo code RETIRE123. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Mr. Burton from newfocusfinancial.com. Let's talk about some rules of thumb in retirement. Everyone wants kind of a pamphlet. They want to make it easy. They want to read, like, here's the five things that I need to do. Uh, What do we need to know about some bad ideas? Well, I think almost all rules of thumb in retirement are bad. It's it's kind of one of those things that the landscape has changed a lot. Um, I mean, if I want, uh, let me list them off, the ones that I think are are the worst, and then we can talk about each one of them. Uh, Taxes will be cut in half in retirement. That's one. Healthcare is free. That's a a thought. If you draw 4% or less out of a balanced portfolio, you're going to be fine. Um, and I need a million bucks before I can retire. That's, that's kind of the, I don't know if your rules of thumb, but general thoughts that a lot of people have out there that, um, when they're, when they're saving for retirement. So tax is going to be cut in half. Um, I think the general thought that I have is that I'm making a lot of money right now. I'm in a high tax bracket when I retire. I won't be in a high tax bracket because I won't be making as much money. Um, and old people, because we vote, they don't pay as much taxes. Am I summing yeah. am I summing up that incorrectly or correctly? No, I mean the problem is is that most people are saving the majority, if not all, of their retirement savings now in a 401k that's never been taxed. So when they go to retire, they forget about those projections and that hey, every dollar that I take out of that thing, I'm going to have to pay some taxes on it. So taxes are typically lower in retirement, but not cut in half or eliminated. Um, there's other sneaker taxes that can happen too. The first couple of years of retirement, especially if people retire and they've exercised a bunch of stock options or sold RSUs or have a large income, their Medicare premiums can almost triple, um, actually almost quadruple okay. um, for Medicare Part B. So there, there's some sneaker taxes out there. I will say that a lot of people get worried about the state of California and I've got to move, I've got to move, I've got to move. And it's not, you know, it, that's the one that's, that might not be as bad as you think. You really have to run that? some careful projections. Well, there, there's certain deductions that carry over um, on the state return. Uh, it, it's really an individual situation, but you, you don't just have to assume that 100% of your income is going to be taxed at 9.3% or higher. Um, that's not typically the case. If you do your retirement distribution design in terms of which accounts you're going to draw from first, you can tend to keep your taxes pretty low. I wouldn't say cut in half, but you can keep them low. So with that being said, how do you learn about what various states offer and don't offer? Because some states don't tax Social Security as much as others. 
Some people don't tax it at all. Some people have lower income taxes. Uh, not income tax. Well, yes, true. Income taxes. Sales taxes seem to be a big one that I'm paying a lot of attention to. Uh, how do you factor all this in for a retiree, Chad? Because it's, it's two or three moving parts right there alone. Well, I'd say the first thing is that most people want to retire where they live because that's where their friends and their family are. Um, so the first thing we do is we assume that you're in the, the Bay Area, you know, living in the Bay Area, dealing with the property taxes and the sales taxes and the state income taxes. Can you do it? Can, do you have enough to actually do that? and live 35 to 40 years from 65 to 100 plus and stay in the state and pay the sales tax and pay the income taxes on your IRA and 401k withdrawals. If not, then what's your plan B? Is that reverse mortgage for a while before you finally move out of state? And if so, where are you going to move? Um, and pensions is definitely a consideration if you're moving to another state that has income tax. There are states that have an income tax, but they don't tax pensions to the same extent. Okay to be favorable for retirees. But most of the time, people are looking at like Washington, Arizona, Nevada, those types of places to retire without the state income tax. When you're working with a retiree, do you have some fancy software that you pay a lot of money for that kind of figures this all out for you so that you, Chad Burton, don't have to go, you know, uh, website hopping to figure out all the tax rates? Oh, yeah. It's so, I mean, I've yet to see a free online calculator that does tax projections correctly. Because here's the deal. You might plug in, how much do you have for retirement? You might plug in your big fat nest egg number. Um, And I keep promising to myself, I'm not going to use the term nest egg because I hate it. But anyway, but some people have, you know, they might have a taxable account, just a normal brokerage account, and it could have a a decent amount of money. And it could have either a really low cost basis because they work for like Cisco or Apple, or it could be a really high cost basis and they aren't going to pay a lot of capital gains. And then they've got Ross and IRAs and everything else. And, and the free software doesn't have the ability to plug those numbers in and then manually say which accounts I'm going to draw from first so that you can do projections and do alternative scenarios to say, what's better? What's better for me? Should I put off my IRAs till I'm 70 and a half or should I start taking some now? Because you have to realize there's a zero, a 10, and a 15% capital gains rate. And then there's about 74000 of taxable income you can be, have without going into the federal normal income rate of over 15%. Uh, and then you have your standard deductions your, um, or your itemized deductions. So everybody's a little bit different, Rob. So, yeah, you need that software because you're trying to go into retirement with the idea that I'm going to be okay. I have an 85% probability of being okay for 35 years. So you better do some really careful planning. It's interesting to say that because I got an email from a guy this week who's 55 plus and he's got about 800,000 and he's taking it from his 401k and he's going to roll it over and he's going to start managing it himself. I'm like, I don't think it's a good idea. And it's for that exact answer you just gave. Do you know a nest egg is, if you have a hen, it doesn't know to lay eggs in a nest. So you put a fake egg in a nest and it goes, oh, that's where I'm going to lay my egg. <laughs> Oh man, I just, I, no! It's it's kind of one of those things that who who thought of this? And, and nests are the most dirtiest, gross thing ever. I mean, fair enough. Yeah. So, Anyways, let's 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 get a new term. Me and my uh, woman, we have a love nest, and it's it's fairly dirty and filthy, like you said. I was gonna say it's probably pretty nasty. <laughs> it's got, yeah. <laughs> it's CFP Chad Burton. You could always say piggy banks. If you don't want to say nest egg, you could always say savings accounts or reserves, what have you. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Don't be shy. There's a lot of good information there. You can set up an appointment. You can um, 
sign up for seminars. You can uh, read articles. You can get blogs. There's all sorts of goodies at newfocusfinancial.com. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.